This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c In that moment, your whole body is basically in this like overwhelmed, overstimulated threat response. And it's just trying to make everything stop. And you do that through whatever method. Maybe it's fight, so you yell. Maybe it's flight, so you just like drop, you like, you know, don't drop the baby. You hand the baby over and then you walk to the bathroom and you close the door just to be alone. Maybe you freeze and you just find yourself kind of almost like detaching and like feeling like you're not in your body in that moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe you fawn. So you all of a sudden overwhelmed. You're definitely on the brink, but you just put everyone else's needs before your own and don't ask for help in that moment. But these are really common and really overwhelming moments that can definitely contribute to these like spirals of shame. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pete's Dog Talk podcast, a podcast that keeps growing because of you and your reviews. So thank you so much for tuning in and being here today. On today's episode, I welcome Dr. Cassidy Freitas. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in California and host of the Holding Space podcast. And she's joining me today to talk all about motherhood and why we may feel so overstimulated. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I love this topic. I can relate to this topic. I know so many parents can, and I'm just so thrilled that you brought me on to talk about it. I Let's dive in. Yes. And if you are not already, make sure you listen to her podcast, but also follow her on Instagram, social media, Dr. Cassidy. I'll tag everything in the show notes because she shares such great content on family life, motherhood life. So I really appreciate all the work that you do to help fellow moms and parents just feel more engaged and present in the moment and also just be more vulnerable and understand that we're all human and we're all experiencing very similar things um, as we navigate parenthood. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, honestly, it is my like goal and my mission to invite people in first through like realness and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's always the beautiful way to open the door to connection. And so on the podcast and on Instagram, I get real about the things, the messy parts of parenthood, the things that happen behind closed doors that we find ourselves feeling like ashamed of or guilty around, or just like, oh, like there must be something wrong with me. I doubt that so-and-so experiences yeah. this, or it gets this messy over there. 
in parenting or in our you know partner relationships. And so I try to open that door and like shed a light on these things and then, you know, kind of build that bridge to getting support. I'm a family therapist. I work with a lot of millennial parents, you know, navigating those, you know, early years of parenthood. I work with individuals and couples. I have a private practice in California. It's a virtual practice. And so my hope is to invite people in and then build that bridge to getting support, right? Like getting off the app or like, you know, once you end the podcast being like, okay, I have some like strategies and steps now to take so that I can start to create some change and get back in alignment with, you know, caring for myself and caring for, you know, the little ones around me. So I love that we're talking about this today because it's one of those things that I think a lot of folks struggle with behind closed doors, but we don't always talk about. Yeah. I mean, I definitely recognized it when I became a mom and that sort of, I guess people can call it being like tapped out or just feeling like you can't handle so many different things happening at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, And so it definitely is a reality. Not every person will experience it, but I will say that most mothers I talk to my friends included and people through this podcast and through my platform will say that they feel a difference after becoming a mother. So what is it about motherhood? Is it parenthood? Is it motherhood? Is it being a woman? Like what is it that Mm. just makes us feel overstimulated and maybe just describing what that means to be overstimulated? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a parenthood thing, right? But Mm. I think there are some unique factors about being the birthing parent or being a mom that is definitely something to take note of. So let's paint a picture. All right. So before you become a parent, we all have different levels of how we experience the world around us from like a sensory perspective, right? Um, And I've learned so much more about that since becoming a parent and actually since having a child who has sensory sensitivities. One of my kids has sensory processing disorder and my partner also, once we figured that out, we're like, I looked at him and he's like, oh yeah, I have this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you totally have this. (laughs) Right. Um, So I've learned a lot more since becoming a parent as we oftentimes do about, you know, these different things. But before you have kids, there are certain things that you might find yourself just feeling more sensitive about when you navigate the world, whether it's sounds or touch or temperature or, you know, and you find ways to kind of like figure that out and navigate it, right? To have some sense of control or agency when it comes to these things. So let's say you're someone who really finds yourself feeling overwhelmed by mess. Before you become a parent, you have most likely some space to control that mm-hmm. mess, right? Like you've got maybe some more margins in your day. You don't have, you know, children running around and making a mess of the things you just cleaned up. You can have more control over your environment. And let's say you find yourself feeling more like triggered by noise. Well, you know, that's something, you know, if you're partnered that you and your partner can figure out or you and your roommates can figure out and you're, you know, both adults and you might have differences, but you can feel like you have a little bit more like agency to kind of communicate what those needs are and maybe, you know, have some control over that. And, you know, maybe you're somebody who gets touched out, right? Like, or you're more introverted and you you know, may find yourself feeling overwhelmed in certain situations, in certain environments, but 
you can come home and you can kind of get your that alone time and space to just sort of recalibrate or, you know, refill that energy bucket. And then we become parents and you take the birthing classes. You maybe took a, you know, breastfeeding class. Maybe you took the, you know, infant CPR class and you're like, all right, I'm ready. You know, maybe you read some some baby books too, but like none of them (laughs) covered. Hey, let's take a little quiz here and let's identify all the different things that really kind of make you feel overstimulated because guess what? (laughs) Here's your baby. And yeah, breastfeeding, chest feeding can be hard. You know, baby sleep is, oh my gosh, sleep deprivation is a beast. Like recovering from birth. Like there are all these things that are so hard and something that was not discussed in any of these classes or books that I felt so consumed by was how overstimulated I felt. And like, so let me paint a picture now of what this can look like. And and maybe your listener can relate to all of this or certain pieces of it. Okay. So let's say you got a new baby and let's say maybe you've got another child too. Maybe you got a toddler, an older child running around. Okay. So the baby is nursing or bottle feeding and all of a sudden spits up. And now you've got sticky formula or breast milk, like running down your front, mm-hmm. your toddler, you know, runs in and has sticky yogurt fingers and like is yanking on your arm because they have an iPad in their hand that also now has yogurt all over it. That's like blaring some video and they're like whining because it's like not working or it's not the video that they wanted. The dog starts to bark. The dog. It's always, it's always the freaking dog. dog. Yeah. You see like the like dog hair in the corner and like, there's just like all these bright colored toys, like scattered around the floor. You get up um, and you're going to start walking towards the kitchen to get a napkin to wipe the yogurt off of literally everything. Now you step on a Lego. You're all of a sudden like, why is it so freaking hot in here? Like where, (laughs) who turned off the AC? Your partner walks in, your partner's like, what's going on here? And you lose it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and like in that moment, like you lose it maybe on your partner, on the dog, like you maybe, you know, yell at your child. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who you yell at, but like you're yelling. And in that moment, your whole body is basically in this like overwhelmed, overstimulated threat response. And it's just trying to make everything stop. And you do that through whatever method, maybe it's fight. So you yell, maybe it's flight. So you just like drop, you like, you know, don't drop the baby, you hand the baby over and then you walk to the bathroom and you close the door just to be alone. Maybe you freeze and you just, you know, find yourself kind of almost like detaching and like feeling like you're not in your body in that moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe you fawn. So you all of a sudden overwhelmed, you're definitely on the brink, but you just put everyone else's needs before your own and don't ask for help in that moment. But these are really common and really overwhelming moments that can definitely contribute to these like spirals of shame because of how we then might react once Mm -hmm. we get there. But yeah, there's 
gosh, becoming a parent is like having a million tabs open in your brain. Mm -hmm. And one of them is blaring baby shark and you don't know which one and you can't close it. And I don't know if you're feeling this, but even just like putting myself there, like I feel my heart start to race. I feel my like hands getting clammy. I find myself feeling, yeah, just like I can, I I can really get myself there because I've been there. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Oh, and you're describing, I think one of the most important things first off is recognizing what your individual stimulation triggers are, right? Some people may be listening to this and be like, oh, I don't mind if there's baby shark. I I don't mind it. But for some people, this is going to be extremely overstimulating, even like you said, before becoming a parent. And then when you add on the lack of time, the multiple different things happening at once, it's going to cause that rise and that combination of everything happening at once. I think we can all say we've been there. I have Mm -hmm. for sure. And I think part of it is recognizing it um, and being able to kind of, again, cope with it. So, you know, you talked about what it is to be overstimulated. Where would we even start with Mm. how you can cope with it, right? Is it first recognizing it, but then what's the step when, you know, the example that you gave when you're feeling like you need to run away, should you go into the bathroom? What do you do if you can't go into the bathroom and you have to be in that situation that's extremely overstimulating? How can we help ourselves, I guess, as mm. parents, as mothers, when we're finding ourselves in that cycle of overstimulation? You've got all the right questions, all the good questions, These are the questions that my clients come in, you know, in that first session and they're asking to. And so first I'm going to take a breath because I think that, you know, I definitely know even just imagining these things, the thing about our brain that's so interesting is that even when we just sort of imagine the scenario, our brain can start to trigger that wiring in our brain that sort of like storyline, that sort of like, okay, this is a familiar path. Here's how we keep ourselves protected and safe and how we should react to this threat in that moment. Our brain has this sort of wiring. So what I think is actually so important for us to do is to first pause, take a breath and ask ourselves, gosh, what are some of my triggers? And in recognizing these triggers and these parts of myself that are very triggered by sound or mess or touch, what is also potentially the story behind that, right? Like how did that very sensitive triggered wiring occur in the first place? And so let's talk about some of these common triggers. Okay. So your senses are a great place to start. So there is 
sight and like what you see around you, right? So sometimes we can be really overstimulated by certain colors or disorganization Mm -hmm. or mess. We can find ourselves feeling triggered by smells. So I didn't mention that in the scenario earlier, but let's also say, you know, you walk by the trash can and you smell that dirty diaper that Mm -hmm. your partner said they were going to take out in the trash and they haven't yet, right? Or you see those dirty dishes and you see that old spaghetti sauce, but also like that smell hits you. Or maybe your carpets smell like urine because that dog is really (laughs) old and keeps having accidents, right? (laughs) Um, Okay. So smell can be a big one. Smell is a really interesting one because it also can trigger the feeling of disgust. And disgust is one of those feelings that we're all, you know, wired for that is actually there to keep us safe, right? Like if something is spoiled or something is potentially toxic, you're going to smell it. You're going to taste it. And it's going to give you that sense of disgust. And then your body's going to say, Oh, like spit that out or get away from that. And so that can definitely be very triggering smell taste as well. Temperature, you know, so feeling hot, feeling cold, uh, touch. Gosh, I've had those moments where like, I am so touched out and my child is leaning up against me, especially, you know, one of my kids who does have sensory processing disorder, he's always looking for something to lean against just to know where he is in space. That's what I've come to learn. But sometimes I don't want to be touched. Right. And he's leaning up against me and I might say, Hey buddy, like my body's telling me that I just don't want to be touched right now. I love you. I'm going to sit right over here. Okay. And he might be like, no, no, no. And like lean up against me and like in my body even though my child is not a threat, my body is sensing, I don't want to be touched right now. And this little person is not respecting that and is like leaning up against me. My body might interpret that as a threat and I might respond with frustration or I might yell or I might, you know, like push him off of me. And those moments, right. Where you're just like, you know, then guilt creeps in and their shame. And it's like, what's wrong with you? Like who does that as a mother? So I think that, you know, it's really important first to identify what these triggers are. Um, What also can be really overstimulating is information, like information overload. And so social media, you know, like um, that could be part of the cycle. You feel, um, is it okay to cuss on this podcast? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Ahead. I was going to say, like, warning, you can feel... warning, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Just, we'll mark uh, it as explicit. <laughs> maybe, maybe skip, skip it a little bit if you need to go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So like all, all I'm going to say here is just like the, the realness of like, you feel super freaking shitty, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, what is wrong with me? But, and then what sometimes do we do? We want to flee. We want to like kind of numb. So we might like, or, or we might just want to feel less alone. So we, we open our phone, our fingers just automatically, you know, flip over to social media. Yeah. We start scrolling everybody else highlights of their parenting moments or all this information that is helpful, but like, oh my gosh, it can feel like so much, just more and more tabs opening in your brain of things to think about on top of the things that you're potentially already carrying the mental load of, of doctor's appointments or your kids' social lives or 
all the things. And I think that this is where you asked earlier, like, is this more of a mom thing? I know for a fact that my husband gets overstimulated and we've come to learn what his triggers are, uh, especially as we've kind of understand more intimately that he uh, does have some sensory sensitivities. My partner does. But between the two of us, we, in our early years of parenting, definitely got into these sort of roles of me being the default parent in so many ways and carrying Mm -hmm. a lot of the mental load, the invisible load of parenting. And so if you're carrying that and your body's taking in not only all the information around you, like and getting overwhelmed by the sensory world around you of becoming a parent, having less space and margins to be able to control your environment, right? Um, And all the things around you and you're carrying the invisible load or mental load and you've got all those tabs open in your brain. It's no wonder that, you know, folks are talking more now about mom rage or parent rage, um, or you're having these really ugly, messy moments behind closed doors because fuck, this is a lot, you know, like it's a lot to carry. And okay. So your question was, what do we do? Identifying what your triggers are. Like, you know, following this podcast or while you're tuning in, like pause it. I want you just to jot down, like thinking about the last couple of weeks, like what have been some of those triggers that just like set you off, right? Mm-hmm. Or can you identify like what kind of was the building? Like what, what, what kind of built up to that, like losing it moment, right? Like, you know, did the weather change? Have you just been extra yeah. hot lately? You know, yeah, and like it's that's reality. overstimulating. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, has something changed in your in your lives? So just identifying what some of those triggers are, and like let's let's take one. Let's say it's mess, right? Okay. Now that we understand that this is a trigger of yours, let's slow down and let's get to know the part of you that doesn't like mess, right? And I'm a super visual person. I think it's really helpful to talk about these things as parts of you because it's not all of you. Like you're not just a big triggered mess person. Like I have all sorts of parts. And one of your parts is the part that gets triggered by mess, right? Okay. So getting to know that part, like what does that part of you look like? What is like, if you were really to get down and connect with this part of you, like what's the story behind this, right? Like what did mess mean growing up, right? How did the people around you, you know, talk about mess or respond to mess? A lot of times it can be this feeling of like, when it feels like my environment is messy and my environment feels out of control, it feels like I'm out of control or I'm a mess, right? And so maybe you grew up in a house that did feel out of control. Maybe you grew up in a house where things were very controlled, right? And so just getting to know these parts of you and the story behind these triggers, what that injects into these cycles, into these moments can be understanding, can be compassion, can give you data for how you can communicate like what it is that you're needing to those around you, right? So like Mm -hmm. in that moment when I see all those primary colored toys everywhere and I know that like (laughs) primary colors can be overstimulating to me, that mess is overstimulating. If I understand that that's a trigger, I understand why that's a trigger for me. In that moment, when I see it, I can meet that part of me that is like 
wanting to like rage clean you know? mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and like, and then, you know, spew that out to everyone around me and like point fingers and criticize and all those things I can pause and I could be like, Hey, Hey, part that hates mess. Hey, part that feels like you're a mess. If everything around you is a mess, you're not a mess. Mm-hmm. You're safe. This is not a threat, but this is a signal that there's something here that you need, right? Like maybe I need some more margins in my day, some more boundaried space so that I can clean up, or I need those around me to come in and help so that I don't feel like this is my responsibility to carry alone. And I think that margins is a big piece here. Um, When I say margins, I just mean like margins in your day, margins in your life, space to feel like a separate human being that has space to process. Like like our brain literally just needs a moment to like not take in more information, to not be scrolling and taking in more information or news, right? Just space to like recalibrate, to process and the things that I have experienced and, you know, margins, boundaries, space to freaking take care of myself so that I Mm -hmm. can take care of these very needy and adorable humans that I love around me that are also like sticky and smelly. Like I yeah. need space to feel like a separate human being to care for myself so I can take care of them. And I need help to get there. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne and Brie and we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah, those two things, the last thing, the space and the help. You know, I think so many times we forget that we need that mental space to create 
the ability to handle the things that we do. And yes, you mentioned so many great points about when you're the default parent. Absolutely. You have less space because of that invisible mental load. It's not like you have stuff that is like major issues that you have to take care of, but it's the accumulation of all the little things, right? The checklist, the, do I have enough laundry detergent? Does my child need more clothes for school? Did I put labels on the clothes? I mean, I'm just giving an example of my last week, you know, with school going back into session at the time of this recording, it's a reality. And you brought up a few other things. One is the warm weather, absolutely recognizing weather related mood, because for me, I live in Florida, August, I know. And it's after three years or five years of living here, but being three years of August of being like pregnant and a mom, I'm like, why is it that I'm just really overstimulated and irritable in August? And it's the heat, right? The heat is brutal. And some people often focus on like SAD, right? Seasonal affect disorder with like Mm -hmm. cooler weather, but 100%, you need to know your triggers. And one of it may be the rising temperatures and it can make us feel even more clouded. And I can attest to that because I feel more like I feel less energetic. I feel more clouded in my judgment because of just the heat. And as a you know clinician, and I, I would say, make sure you hydrate, 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 um, and rest if you can. And then the last thing that I just really, really resonated with was the overstimulation and how many of us, and I've been guilty of this and I have to really stop myself is when you're overstimulating, trying to fill that stimulation with more stimulation, like social media. Like Mm. I recorded an episode, episode 127 on this podcast about the bad and good of social media, but really more talking about the bad, um, how it can really affect our mental health. And this is one of the comments that I think so many of us, when we're feeling that sort of cloudiness and that sort of overstimulation, we feel like scrolling TikTok or scrolling reels may be the best idea when yes, it could add humor, but just by scrolling and being on the phone, sometimes I can actually overstimulate your brain. Is there certain things like that you would say are missteps in an overstimulated moment where if you are feeling overstimulated, try your hardest to really be mindful of X, Y, and Z. Are there certain things that you would say? And I know everyone's a little bit unique because I agree. Sometimes we need to create space and we need to still our brain. And inadvertently, we don't still our brain and we try to fill it with doing things on our to-do list or, you know, trying Mm. to do this. And when we really just need to calm our brains down a little bit and say, Hey, you're safe, slow it down. We got this, we got, we're going to get through this together. So I guess my question is the missteps or things to watch out for when you are. Yeah. I think you really named the big ones here. And I think it does come back to this sort of like margins piece and paying attention to some of those like automatic reactions, right. That like are the more familiar path for what are like triggers to take. Right. So for instance, the social media intake, right? Like I can so relate to this where I just in those moments, I want to flee like Mm -hmm. my current situation. I will open my phone, probably looking for some connection or escape. My finger automatically goes to Instagram and I know I'm not alone in this. And now I'm taking up what could be a really beautiful margin. And I'm just taking in more information. And that's the last thing that my brain needs in that moment. Like, I think that there are some beautiful aspects of social media and every Friday I share funny TikToks and it has become (laughs) one of my favorite things to do because I genuinely find that shared laughter is 
a really wonderful way for me to regulate my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so there's beautiful things that you can find there. Um, and I, I, I like doing that on Fridays because like curated, you know, that you can come specifically to my account to find that if that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Versus like, you know, getting caught up in all the other things that you can find. But, you know, I think that, gosh, the the urge to just like, to finish these like to-do lists. Cause here's what happens is like, I want to send that email. I want to get the groceries. I want to finish the like laundry or dishes, like in that moment, almost as a way to like appease that part of me that is just like, I need this to be done. This needs to be controlled. And my most generous interpretation of that part of me is that part of me really just wants to get these things done and to like control things so that then I can be present with my kids and with my family, because those are the values that I want to live in alignment with. So it's just like, if I could just get this email done, just get this thing done or just like freaking control these things. Yeah. And I can get back to what I, re- what really matters most to me. But what can happen in that moment is I'm trying to do all this while my child still needs me. I'm maybe the default parent. They're still coming to me. I haven't set aside boundary time for me to do these things. So I'm actually trying to do a million things at once. And then it feels like I'm doing none of them well. So I never get that like joy of like presence or that satisfaction of like completing a task. And so what we do need, so what like shifting now to like, what can we do? Because I think in these moments first, like in the moment, what we got to do is we got to create more space between that trigger and those like urges, those like reactive, you know, wired urges. We need to pause. I know this sounds so cliche, but we need to breathe. It's important, like breath, we're doing it anyway. Why not do it in a way that's going to actually turn down the dial of that stress response? So taking a breath in. My kids now know when I'm regulating myself because I do a shushing sound on my exhale and I go, Shh. and I extend that exhale. That shushing sound has a regulating effect. It's stimulating a little bundle of nerves that is telling my brain there isn't a threat. There isn't a danger here right now. Like we turn that dial down on that stress response. And what I've done there is I've just created space between the trigger of being overstimulated and that automatic reactivity that is so familiar. (laughs) Um, And what I'm also doing there is I'm giving myself an opportunity to make a choice of how I want to respond that is more in alignment with how I want to show up, right? For myself, for my kids, for my family. And what's so cool is that in that moment, you are taking a little step to rewire your brain so that it's Mm -hmm. a little bit easier next time. Because when your brain sees whoa, 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 there was that trigger. And then you slowed things down and you paused and you responded in this other way. And wow, it didn't all fall apart. We're still alive. (laughs) Like we made it. Wow. Our brain's going to be like, huh, interesting. Make a little connection there. And that's how we rewire our reactivity. Now, this is deep work. This is really important, deep work that we're doing. And so if you find that it's really hard to pause in these moments, if you're trying to like, you know, activate support by bringing your partner in and having conversations about sharing the load and wanting to shift gears of not being the one that's the default parent carrying this invisible mental load, you find that it's really hard to talk to your partner about these things. It's hard to ask for support because out of the moment, that's what we need. Oftentimes is we need more boundaries. We need support. We need space. 
if you're finding that it's really hard, that can be a signal that more support's needed. And that's mm-hmm. where therapy can be a really beautiful space for you to figure out what your triggers are, to figure out the story behind those, yeah. to process any trauma that makes these triggers pretty rigid, right? And really reactive uh, from your own experiences, right? Big traumas or little traumas. Um, little traumas would just be those little paper cuts every day, right? That you mm-hmm. may have experienced as a child yourself where your needs weren't met, where you felt silenced, where you felt overwhelmed, where you felt overstimulated, but nobody was there to kind of check in with you and support you in learning how to regulate that or to feel safe again, right? So therapy can be a beautiful place for that to happen. Couples therapy can be a beautiful place for you and your partner to get on the same team to feel supported by each other. Um, And so if you find that you're like, okay, I'm trying, but I keep getting stuck or we're caught in these cycles, I think that could be a a really important signal of more support being called for. I love this conversation and I wouldn't expect less from a psychologist, um, therapist, because it's so important to understand that you can do the work, right? You can look at your triggers, you can do all that, but in the end, we do need help. And that help can sometimes be in the form of a therapist, um, a psychiatrist, people that are trained in helping you dig deeper that are not your loved one. Right. I think we sometimes feel like, Oh, I can talk to my best friend or my, my relative. And sometimes that works great. You know, sometimes that is this, all the support you need, but sometimes you just want to talk it out or Mm -hmm. listen to a podcast or just need that extra layer. And I love normalizing that with you. I love talking about all of this with you because I resonate with it. And I know so many of my listeners are parents, but a lot of them are mothers, um, and also just take care of children in general, that they understand that we need to do this work. And it's not easy, like you said, but it is something that will benefit number one ourselves. And I think we tend to focus so much on, I'm doing this for my kid. I'm doing this for my kid. No, I'm doing this because I don't want to be Mm. overstimulated all the time. I don't want to be irritable. We're going to record another episode in the future about irritability in motherhood and parenthood, but I just want to find more space is that kind of final thing that I think people should really understand that that's what we're trying to, I try to do for my parents that come in. Like, how can I create more space with you? Like to take on the things, whether that's outsourcing, whether that's taking a moment, whether that's not just going immediately to your cell phone and, and doom scrolling, like whatever it is, we need to create that mental peace for you. So thank you so much for all of this today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I think just the last thing that I'll add is a lot of times folks do come in Um, they'll initially book with me or with one of the therapists in my group practice because they're like, I don't want to screw up my kids. And I feel like I can't get a handle on my own stuff. How am I going to help them? Like I'm yelling. I don't recognize myself. You know, my partner and I are maybe not even on the brink of divorce, but you're just like in a really unshiny season of like partnership. And I don't want to screw up my kids. And then it's like, whatever brought you in, I'm so glad you're here. And then, you know, yeah, we're going to do the work here. That's going to support you in showing up for those little ones. But even outside of your role as a parent, you deserve this support. And, you know, I think that whether that's individual therapy or couples therapy, I've been to both, you know, I'm a therapist Mm -hmm. and I've been to both, you know, my, my husband, he gets overstimulated and he puts on noise canceling headphones. And he used Mm. to do this before I understood like why, and it would drive me crazy because I'm like, you're tuning us out with these head canceling headphones. Like, hello, family's over here. But 
as he began to understand himself more and what was going on for him and his triggers and his overstimulation and was able to communicate it with me and I was able to receive it and hear it and also feel supported in what I was struggling with, I was able to understand more what was going on for him and actually seeing it as a way of him showing up for us. He's caring for himself so that he can calm his body down and then come back and re-engage in a way that is going to be supportive. And so, gosh, so many things that could be triggering to us that we can learn more about and support each other in. And, you know, therapy can be a beautiful way for that to happen. I appreciate this. And where can people find you? I know I mentioned at the beginning, but if you can tell everyone where they can find you on social media, websites, um, how to stay in touch with you. Yeah. So you can learn more about my private practice and it's a group practice at www.drcassidymft.com. I'll share a link for you to share in the show notes. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Cassidy and my podcast holding space. And I'm also currently working on a quiz that once it's ready, I'll send it over to you that you can share with your listeners. Um, and in the show notes, it's a quiz about identifying your triggers and it's actually about triggers and rage and irritability. Mm. So our two episodes will tie beautifully into this quiz to help you identify what your triggers are. So I'll, oh, I'll share that link with you once I have it. Thank you so much. And if you love this episode, I want you to leave a rating, leave a review, call out Dr. Cassidy and her amazing wealth of information that she provided for today and just an emotional support. Like I feel so good just speaking with you. You have the best podcast voice. I love it. (laughs) I'm so happy you have a podcast. Um, But really, thank you so much. And um, I can't wait for another episode where we're going to actually talk about irritability in motherhood and parenting. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking